This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. A good Friday to you on this September 16th. This is going to be a a special show of Real Talk. It's a special day. It's a bit of a difficult day as well for a lot of people that we uh, care about deeply. A year ago today, uh, this community lost a very good friend in Julie Rohr. You'll remember, of course, Julie, the founding member of our editorial board, a a recurring guest on the show several times and uh, up until her passing on September 16th of 2021, just an absolutely remarkable human being and the inspiration and the namesake for the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. And today we celebrate the memory of Julie in about 10 minutes time, maybe less than that. You're going to meet the inaugural recipient of the Julie Rohr Scholarship, and we're really excited to introduce you to her. Of course, this all comes with mixed and complicated feelings, right? Terribly sad today, and at the same time, really thrilled to see Julie's legacy continue and live on in, in other people that are just at the at the beginning stages of, of their careers or their post-secondary learning that will contribute, of course, to their careers and and what they accomplish and and uh, do with their own lives. And that's kind of the whole point of this scholarship that so many of you have supported uh, after we established that fund, not just with our Real Talk Golf Classic, which goes every summer, every June. Next year, circle your calendars for June 22nd of 2023 out at the Ranch Golf and Country Club, but also others, members of this community like sculptor Slavo Czech, his beautiful chaos pendants. Do you remember those? He made more than 200 of them with all of the proceeds going to the scholarship fund. Uh, People like Slavo and, and maybe people like you have helped us raise tens of thousands of dollars already for that. And uh, this is something that's bringing a lot of meaning to us on a day that would uh, otherwise be Well, it still is, if I'm being (laughs) the real talk is, is it still stings today. And I know that that's the case for a lot of people. Uh, You can keep an eye on the hashtag. We love Julie Rohr today. That's where um, a lot of Julie's friends, uh, her her dear friends, her close friends, her lifelong friends and her family members are posting their own memories of her. If you want to go back and uh, take a look through the real talk archives, you can check out our episode from September 7th of 2021. Uh, this was Julie's last appearance on the show, and uh, she joined us in uh, w- what proved to be just an absolutely beautiful conversation, uh, a very meaningful conversation. Uh, But of course, uh, Julie at that time was, um, well, it it took everything that she had uh, to be able to 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 sit for for 10 or 15 minutes and and talk to us and and share her thoughts where she was at. It it was one of the last public appearances that she made. And um, it's one if if I'm being honest with you, I've watched that interview many, many, many times uh, just to look back and 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 hear uh, the uh, the words of challenge that she had for us, for her friends, and uh, and also, of course, just the 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 uh, amazing spirit that she displayed. Uh, there was something special about her, something that made her resonate uh, with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Do you do you remember the campaign that her friends put together? This was just over a year ago now that saw big 
time celebrities, you know, like like uh, uh, Brian Reynolds comes to mind, but but there were many. Connor McDavid, the Edmonton Oilers star, and and I think Colin Mockrey, the comedian, and and so many others um, had messages, video messages of support that they had tweeted out or posted on Instagram. Uh, and and to me, it was just evidence that uh, every once in a while. Um, there's somebody uh, that comes into this world that touches down for it for a tragically brief period of time, but leaves this lasting impact on what seems to be or feels like virtually everybody whose lives they touch. And, th- and that was Julie Rohr. I mean, I, I just have this on my screen right now and I'm still just staring at it. I, I'm still getting lost back in that interview. September 7th of 2021. It was Julie's final appearance on the show. And I encourage you to check it out. It is impossible uh, to not be impacted uh, by the the uh, the words that she shared with us and, of course, the legacy that she leaves. You will see it today. Uh, I, I don't think I'm spoiling anything. Uh, I, I, I hope I'm not. I, I just checked uh, the the mayor of Edmonton's Twitter, and, and I see that there's nothing up there yet. And so I, I, I hesitate to mention, but I but I will let you know that, that uh, today... Uh, will be named Julie Rohr Day in the city of Edmonton, and we're expecting that announcement from the mayor of Edmonton, His Worship Amarjeet Sohi. Um, in just a second, the winner of the inaugural Julie Rohr Scholarship, and we're thrilled to introduce you to this worthy recipient in just a second. This will be, uh, I think, for a lot of people, uh, a point of great interest because you have a personal investment in that scholarship fund. Before we get to our scholarship winner, I want to remind you that right now you have an opportunity to support the healthcare system, in particular, Grey Nuns and Misericordia Hospitals, by getting your tickets to the Covenant Foundation Lottery at covenantfoundationlottery.ca. 30 years of life-changing wins. And this year's grand prize, a $2.2 million dream home, comes fully furnished, which is amazing. That's my favorite comment that you've made so far in this home, Johnny. I asked, you know, what you do with the movers when you moved in. You're like, movers? We're leaving everything behind. We're leaving everything behind. Can you imagine just rolling right into your new place and all the furniture's there set up for you? What a fresh start. Beautiful stuff. And, of course, there's there's trips and cars and everything else. You can get your tickets today at covenantfoundationlottery.ca. Don't wait for the deadline in early November. Make that move today. Friesen Brothers across 16 Alberta communities wants to remind you that they are still, after more than 65 years, family-owned. And that's very relevant and important because their sense of family, that idea of gathering around that dinner table, good food, good conversation, quality family time drives how they run their business. You know, a lot of people love that at Friesen Brothers, you can go in, not just grab the ingredients for a meal, but grab a meal itself, including a medieval feast that's coming up. You can get all the details at Friesen.com. That medieval feast, September 17th and 18th, that's this weekend at select stores, $25, all you can eat per person. Again, the details on the Friesen Brothers website. And don't forget, if you're in the mood to upgrade your computer, maybe you're trying to stream Real Talk right now and it's choppy and lousy and it's been years since you've invested in your tech. Westworld Computers is overstocked right now on MacBook Airs and MacBook Pros. You can get all the details on those sales incentives at westworld.ca or you can shop them in store in Edmonton's West End. Connect, share, and create like never before with a MacBook from Westworld Computers, your Apple experts at Westworld 
www.thepartyshow.ca. Well, just over a year ago, we established the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship in honor of our dear friend, the founding member of our editorial board. The idea was that annually we would provide a $5,000 subsidy to the education costs of a post-secondary student that had lost a parent to cancer. We appreciate every single person that applied literally across the country for this scholarship, and it is a huge honor this morning to introduce you to the first ever recipient of that scholarship, Hani Bombewala, a nursing student at the University of Alberta, who's been kind enough to join us live this morning before her studies commence. Hani, a good morning to you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. Uh, today's a really special day for us, and I know a lot of people uh, that have volunteered or donated or contributed to this scholarship fund have been very excited to meet you. You're what now, about two weeks in to your first year of studies in the Faculty of Nursing? Yes, I am now, yeah. How's everything going so far at the University of Alberta? Your first year, that's a big deal. It's going really good. I'm honestly enjoying everything that I'm learning, and compared to how it was in high school, I'm really grateful that I was able to get accepted. I want to let everybody know how this works. And so we have an editorial board uh, with eight members and uh, those eight members, we asked them to review. Uh, we had what we had selected as the top 10 applications. And these were post-secondary students, uh, different faculties, different areas of study, different ages, different stages of studies. We had uh, people that are working on their PhDs apply. There was something about your story that really made an impact on our editorial board. Uh, of course, there's a sad context to this, Hanny, as well, and and that's that you mm -hmm. lost your dad to cancer um, as as a younger girl. Would you tell us about your dad and the relationship that you had with him? My dad, um, my relationship with my dad was um, we spent a lot of time together, um, mostly doing a lot of schoolwork. Um, he loved school. He loved like having an education and he wanted me to share in that so after schools on weekends we'd like sit together do different activities relating to different subjects that I was doing at school and that's what our relationship was we sat together and he taught me a lot of things that I was struggling to learn at school Hmm. When your dad passed away, obviously, the the impact of that on your life would have touched every single area in your area of studies. Uh, as you told us in your application, uh, you really started to struggle. Yeah, my grades really started to drop there when I started high school. Um, I don't know, like the starting point was that I thought I I knew everything because he sort of made me feel like I did. So I didn't try as hard. And at the same time, I was struggling how to like figuring out how to learn. So um, for the next two years in grade 10 and 11, I did struggle heavily with my grades. And it wasn't until 12th grade where I realized that um, I wasn't doing as much as I can to improve my grades. And I know that it's not what my dad would have wanted. He would have wanted me to try my so you honored your dad in a huge way. Um, each of our scholarship applicants provide two letters of reference, and the two that you provided were were from 
educators uh, that that saw you yeah. and saw you navigate this journey. Uh, to let our audience know, you managed to pull your average up to a whopping ninety-two percent uh, because you wanted to pursue this dream of of nursing. What was different? about your grade 12 year? How were you able to do that from struggling in school a couple of years to getting up to an average of 92% to get you into that nursing faculty? Um, what I what I saw is, um, like I noticed how much work I was putting and what my grades were coming out to be. So what I realized that um, how I was studying, how I was retaining information, the amount of attention I was paying in class was um, inefficient. So what I started doing is, um, I started moving where I sat in class. I started sitting at the front row. I uh, started asking questions, um, even in areas of knowledge that I thought I already had, um, because there was no harm in getting more information or just correcting myself if there were any mistakes. Um, I did all my assignments. I spent a lot more time studying, and um, I noticed there was a change in how my grades were slowly going up. So I kept doing what I was doing, sort of adjusting um, how much time I needed for each class. And over time, that that went up significantly. And I realized that um, I needed to just change. Like, everyone is different when it comes to studying. And I just needed to figure out what works for me. And while I did need to um, put in a little extra effort, it did bring me a long way. Well, it's really incredible. I, I was telling you, you and I spoke yesterday, and um, I, I was speaking with some friends of mine that are currently working in healthcare, and they told mm-hmm. me that one of the great ironies right now is that there is a nursing shortage. Nurses are desperately needed, but at the same time, the competition to get into nursing, uh, to study yeah. nursing, is one of the most intense competitions that you'll find in post-secondary um, can you explain, there's a very personal reason that you shared with us, a very personal reason why you want to go into nursing. Would you tell the audience about it? Yeah, so um, I I saw my dad go into the hospital and I didn't get to see him much in and out because um, he didn't really want us to see us in that condition. But um, I noticed that the nurses weren't really present, um, especially after he died. I remember... Um, everyone was scrambling around, running around, trying to figure out the details. And um, sorry, my brother and I were sitting on a bench. And I was trying to comfort my brother. And it's I okay, felt honey. Like one of the scared. You have to ask me how I was doing the games. Um, the. Um, pamphlet for grief to my parents instead of me um, I was 15 at the time so um, there was no reason why they could have given it to me directly would have shown that they cared about him that he wasn't just someone they were just they were some, someone they were taking care of because um, I feel like being a nurse means they care about their families as well because mm-hmm. they trust you and they feel like they care you care about their loved ones and if you don't then the kind of nurse you are really shows through and I just want to be the kind of nurse that shows other people that I care. You're a remarkable person. Can I read some comments from our audience that are watching right now? There's like hundreds of people. There's going to be thousands of people that'll hear this interview, honey, that are going to be so proud of you having never met you. Um, Honestly, and I see it right now already. 
You know, Brenda is sending you much love on our live chat right now. Megan says your dad would be so proud of you. You know, people are encouraging you. Kathy, congratulating you on earning the scholarship. She says she she's thrilled to see another much needed nurse will be entering this healthcare system. And we can see this. I mean, obviously, um, I never met your dad. Our audience never met your dad. Um, but at the same time, I think people can understand. I think people can try to understand what it would be like to lose somebody uh, that important to you at that stage in your life at a formative stage in your life. And it's really amazing what you're doing right now, honey. Um, I'm, I'm, it means so much to us that, that you've agreed to stay in touch with us. We want to see what you go on to yeah. achieve. Uh, we're, I mean, I can't wait to talk to you. Um, and maybe it will become a side note years from now. Maybe we'll say, oh, yeah, Hani was also a recipient of the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. But maybe we'll just be talking to you about healthcare. Maybe you'll be one of our healthcare correspondents here on the show. Um, and I'm really excited to welcome you to our Real Talk golf classic next june uh, where i know we're, we're going to have a, a really neat opportunity to remind people what all this fundraising is about and and how it's going to make post-secondary education more accessible and less stressful for people that already have so many other things going on is there anything else that you wanted to say about the scholarship or about your studies uh, before we thank you so much for your time this morning honey I wanted to thank everyone that was involved in the scholarship process, Julie, Julie's family, the, the whole board, everyone, because not a lot of students who go through what I go through get an opportunity like this. There's not a lot of opportunities with kids whose parents have passed away from cancer to apply to these scholarships, and a lot of them go through a lot of financial struggle um, afterwards, and not a lot of people realize how hard it is to work yourself um, back up and be able to go to school, especially when you're dealing with grief yourself. It's certainly not easy. And I can just tell Julie was an amazing, bright individual who did so much for her community. And I'm really grateful to her. And if and I'd love to meet her family next year at the at the event and thank them myself. You will. Uh, and, and they're really excited to meet you. I, I spoke with her husband, David. They're really excited to meet you and they'll all be at the golf tournament. Uh, just just a warning. Um, they're not afraid of having a good time. It's it's going to be the, the most fun golf tournament you've ever been at. And right at the heart of that is Julie's family members and best friends. And uh, if if this, if this last edition, June, our first tournament was any indication, this is going to be something I think that people are going to circle on their calendars every June, and you will be the guest of honor, my friend. We're really looking forward to it. Uh, Dr. Bradley Martin, he's a physician in Hinton, uh, Hinton, Alberta, and he joins us when we're lucky. If he's not in the ER, we're lucky to have him joining us as part of our live-tuning audience. And he says, we need people, Hanny, that are in healthcare for the right reasons. He says, thank you for your time today on the show. You're going to go far. As a rural physician, I can say your motivation to be that kind of a nurse will go a long way that's from someone who's practicing medicine right now honey uh much love to you from this entire real talk community congratulations on earning the scholarship congratulations on getting into nursing and, and, and we can't wait to see you at the golf tournament next june 
Thank you so much, Guy, and I'll see you see you then, and you I'll keep it. in touch with you. Sounds wonderful. That's Hani Bombaywala. She is the inaugural winner of the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship, which is made possible uh, with the support of people like you. If you want to learn more about the scholarship itself, it's easy. You can just go to ryanjesperson.com slash scholarship. You can get the details there on how to apply. Um, I will say, just because we got a lot on our plate, I'm just going to be honest with you right now, haven't amended the update to the text on the site, and so it's still uh, talking about the scholarship this year, and it says the application deadline is August 1st of 2022. I mean, the the truth is uh, we'll accept applications obviously through the year. And so technically uh, applications for next year's scholarship are already open now. You can download the application again at ryanjesperson.com slash scholarship. And if you'd like to learn more about the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship, it's simple. You just go online. You can find it at the uh, Edmonton Community Foundation's website. That's ecfoundation.org. Uh, it's really simple. You, you can just Google, if it's easier, Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship Fund, and you'll be able to read about the fund. Of course, donations to that fund are tax deductible. Um, and and they're issued, the tax receipts issued by the Edmonton Community Foundation. And we're grateful for their partnership and their support in administering this scholarship fund. Obviously, that's something way out of our wheelhouse. And so we were grateful to have those resources available there. And as mentioned, circle your calendars. Uh, I'll be telling you a lot about it between now and next June for sure. June 22nd, 2023, it'll be the second annual Real Talk Golf Classic in support of Julie's scholarship out at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. And uh, Johnny, I'm hoping to have you locked in to DJ that thing. Oh, of course. We had yeah. so much fun on the fourth <laughs> tee box. Even with the rain, I think we had we had a too much fun. Would <laughs> you agree that that was... Because the, of the rain, I think we had some extra fun, yeah. That was the... That was a monsoon. Well, yeah, because everyone came under the tent, and I, I felt like we got to get really close to everyone who was there. Whereas if it hadn't rained, they would have been out on the golf course. So it was it was a really great opportunity to chat and get personal with everyone who was there. Yeah. So it kind of kind of made sense. So uh, I obviously I'm not hoping for rain next time, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it, it was it was good. It was we made we made uh, we made. We made great of the day. Yeah, one of, one of uh, Julie's um, closest companions through her entire life, uh, by the name of Amanda, a gal by the name of Matt's Julie's cousin. Um, she was there with us as part of one of the golf foursomes, and they came around to the fourth tee box as those as kind of the clouds were looming. Yeah, we knew. We knew what was up, and the radar. The uh, they've got obviously most golf courses have this, but the ranch has this really detailed radar that'll sort of show you not just what's rolling in, but what direction it's going, and may maybe whether or not there's going to be these tiny pockets where maybe the storm will miss you. And there was this sliver of gleaming light mm -hmm. that allowed us to tee off because we didn't know it was like a two p.m. tee off. We didn't know if we were going to be able to do it, but sure enough, there was some sun blasting through those clouds, and and we were able to tee off shotgun start. Uh, per the plan and we thought julie is smiling upon us today this is amazing and we get through like seven or eight holes and then and then the clouds start to to really really get heavier and heavier and, and this is right around the time that that her cousin amanda and her their group are coming through and then of course the clouds just unload and you had the tunes going you went to a pure rain playlist i did i went to you had like every ccr song every song prince involves rain. anything that involves rain you were playing those songs <laughs> 
and people were just well amanda was just, I mean, they were they were dancing on the tea box and just we were getting soaked and i remember amanda just saying julie would be out here dancing in the rain yeah it was great and so that's that's what we did and we got into one and it was a really special day but but meeting hanny today for a lot of you, I mean, I'm thinking of Slavo checking and sent him a message today. Um, his sculptures, those pendants that he did raised, like, if I remember correctly, about 40 grand. I think it was like 35 or 40 grand for the scholarship, right? <laughs> like his pendants raised more than the golf tournament. Like That's pretty amazing. Um, one day that golf tournament will raise a million bucks. One day. But the first one, uh, you know, we were just excited to get that off the ground. And so I think of everybody, everybody that's wearing those pennants today in memory of Julie, everybody that made a donation or will make a donation today to the scholarship fund in honor of Julie. We thank you for that. And uh, this legacy will continue. Steel and Vance. Uh, I think they I think they're. Two weeks in, if I remember correctly, on Check, that's a TV station, of course, out on the West Coast. Linda Steele, Jody Vance are going to form our Real Talk Roundtable. That's coming up in just a few minutes. It's always a blast to check in with these two veteran broadcasters who call it how they see it, uh, which is uh, part of the reason why they're such a great fit for Real Talk and, and part of the reason why I know their show is going to be a huge success on Check. Before we get to that, I want to get to an email here, uh, a great one. we got Trash Talk coming up, and, and I also wanted to remind you, you know, things can change so quickly throughout wildfire season this is a good news announcement uh, from our friends in jasper who want to let you know you know you've been paying attention to this chetaman mountain wildfire and then for a lot of people it meant that your vacation plans your summer vacation plans to get out to jasper were interrupted or postponed well the great news is up to the minute that jasper it's safe to return and they're back open for business. A big part of this is the fact that the crews at ATCO were able to get those power poles back up. I mean, some of these power poles just burned right to the ground. And so the town of Jasper was literally running on generators and they've been able to get it back on the grid, which is, if you think about, I mean, I don't even think I can wrap my mind around the, the task that they had, uh, the task that they had uh, ahead of them to get these power poles back up, but they did just an amazing job. And so Jasper, these businesses are back open and ready to go. They're welcoming tourists visitors and of course the residents are thrilled about this too back to jasper they are open for business and it's safe to return you can get more information at jasper.travel slash wildfire that's jasper.travel slash wildfire you know you're going to see a lot of images out there you see videos and photos of course a reminder that that these are days ago and it is now safe to return to jasper which is really great news especially for the businesses i tweeted about this yesterday and somebody says man Jasper's just got hammered over the past couple of years and not just Jasper, obviously, but you, you look at a lot of these communities that have, of course, tourism as a huge part of their economic drivers. And with COVID and everything that happened and then you get a wildfire, there are so many independent, incredible businesses out there that are ready for your visit. So, hey, maybe you make an impromptu decision and head out there this weekend. Why wouldn't you? Quite frankly, the team at Apex Automation, an amazing supporter of Real Talk. You know, they keep it real as a company. They're putting out a call to engineers across the country right now. As a matter of fact, internationally, too, uh, they're looking for the best and the brightest engineers, software engineers, 
these these technical structural i mean you know there's so many different uh disciplines within engineering uh, next week we're going to be showing you behind the scenes video of the apex facility and you can see some of these engineers at work and what they're doing so you'll get you, you get these professionals the best at their craft they're taking a look at, at equipment right machinery that could be automated made uh, to be more safe made to be more efficient made to free up the human power in a workplace to do work that's more fulfilling it makes you feel like you're making a bigger contribution if you're interested in giving people back their time why not reach out to the team at apex automation today you can check out the careers link on their website apexautomation.ca if your career move maybe requires an upgrade uh, maybe you're looking to learn something new maybe you're just curious about a new field like I don't know, artificial intelligence or machine learning. I mean, there are thousands of different courses and degree programs at Athabasca University. That's Canada's online university, world-class accredited online programs and courses offering you the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. You can get started today at AthabascaU.ca. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to enroll. You can do a little digging around, maybe learn a little bit more about what they offer or how the programs and courses work. Let me put it this way. If you need to take time off for personal reasons, maybe you want to go on a vacation. Maybe you just don't feel like studying because you got family stuff going on for a month or two. It's no problem. This program and the pace of it is determined by you and only you at Athabasca University. A big shout out as well to our friends at Kubi Energy. I checked in with them just a couple of days ago, asking them how things are going with this Canada Greener Homes grant. We'll put it this way. They're pedal to the metal right now. Their Tesla certified installers are busy across BC and Alberta because the federal government's offering up $40,000 interest-free to homeowners that want to put solar panels up on their roof. 40 grand interest-free. Now you're going to go, oh, I got to Google it and fill out a bunch of forms and apply for this. And then I got to talk to my accountant. Uh-uh. Kubi Energy does it all for you. You can get your free quote today. They'll handle the paperwork at kubienergy.ca. In just a second, Steel and Vance will form the Real Talk Roundtable. That's coming up in just a second. Johnny, I was wondering, did you uh, yesterday, uh, I think people probably know that Relay, our parent company, also produces The Hedge, which is a podcast hosted by Andrew Walker, a longtime mm-hmm. sports broadcaster. Did you guys talk about this this uh, controversy uh, involving the Toronto Blue Jays and their catcher the other day? Did you see this story? No. This is really wild stuff. So it turns out, and, and this is, uh, so so Alejandro Kirk is the catcher oh, for the Toronto Blue Jays? Yeah. Did you see this story? Uh, so, so he's a he's a. How, how would you describe him? I mean, you you don't really talk about people this way unless you're talking about athletes. So it feels like kind of a strange thing to describe him as as stout as you might or or well built. I mean, to be candid, it's real talk. This guy's built like a brick shit house. He's about five foot eight, two hundred and forty five pounds. He's the catcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, and he's great at what he does. Well, there's a broadcaster, a podcaster that covers the Jays that just a couple of days ago shared a video of Alejandro Kirk on the field. Mm-hmm. And he described him as an embarrassment to the sport. He described him as basically part of the problem that's perpetuating stereotypes around ball players. Mm-hmm. Well, Alex Manoa 
one of the Jays' star hurlers is not standing for it. And he's spoken out uh, just a short time ago. First of all, the Jays from their team account tweeted, we would run through a wall for our captain, Alejandro Kirk. But Manoa has gone on the record talking to the Toronto Star, criticizing this podcaster. He says, this is a guy with a verified account. He works for a pretty big company, so many people are listening to him. He says, the disrespect. He says, you know, I I don't really like to say, oh, you don't understand because you're not in our shoes. But I just felt the need for somebody who has a platform is using it in the wrong way to guide them in another direction. Manoa tweeting, quote, what's actually embarrassing for the sport is people that have never played a day in the big leagues thinking they can control the narrative and the stereotypes. Like, what do you want to do? You want to you want to go ahead and tell an eight year old kid who's maybe 10 pounds overweight that he should quit now or maybe just step aside from the keyboard and let Kirk, Alejandro Kirk, the catcher, inspire those kids to continue to chase their dreams and chase greatness. Now, for what it's worth, this podcaster used to tweet from the account Matthew Words has actually pulled his account down. So it's not (laughs) aging well, as you might assume. It's a horrible take. But you don't typically see body shaming directed, number one, at men. Like, typically you don't. I want to lead Mm -hmm. off with this. I want to ask Steele and Vance about this in just a second. But number two, in the sports world, you oftentimes don't see athletes targeted in this way and then other athletes jumping to their defense. It might be something that would go ignored. Mm -hmm. Like, athletes very rarely seem to chime in on criticism leveled at them by commentators, right? Maybe the odd time there's an argument in a press conference or something like that. But I thought that this was really remarkable and I thought it was great that Alec Manoa stepped up and said this. It was amazing. Yeah. I'm going to put this in front of our Real Talk Roundtable panelists today. Uh, Jody Vance, Linda Steele. I feel like they don't need an introduction. Longtime broadcasters, national broadcasters. Everybody pays attention to what they have to say. And now, I guess two weeks into a brand new show on Check, Steele and Vance. Welcome back to the Real Talk Roundtable. It's great to see you. Good morning. Great to see you too. I was especially Good to be here. Yeah, I was excited that you agreed to do the show because you, you do your show Thursday evenings and then we're asking you for an early wake up call Friday morning. So so we're especially grateful. Uh, we're happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys make of this story we're talking about? Uh, Alejandro Kirk, the, the Jays catcher. Was this on your radar? Did you see this? Uh, uh, a sports commentator, podcaster in Toronto, basically describing his build as an embarrassment to the sport, perpetuating stereotypes. I mean, Jody, you covered sports for years and years. It's, it, it's pretty unusual to see something like this leveled at a male athlete, isn't it? It is. It's remarkably unusual. Usually these sorts of comments are saved for the female sports broadcasters. Um, It's well, it I mean, you're right. It's not right to have this sort of a perspective on anyone. Body shaming is just not cool. Uh, The fact that this is sort of permeated into the vernacular and sport is disappointing, to say the least. Um, I I don't know what's happening. I, I think there's this sort of feeling of entitlement of, of opinion. And, and I'm all for giving your opinion, but I'm also all for being respectful. And, and that's, like you mentioned, Steel and Vance, that's something that Linda and I, I really have as the foundation of our show is we're allowed to disagree. We're allowed to come from different places, but be mindful of how that might land. I mean, this is just, this, this sets 
the table for a greater conversation, which is why I think it's so important that you're having it because you have a big voice as well when it comes to uh, to reach and and having people listen to sort of your, well, not sort of, to your common sense, Ryan Jesperson. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate that. But, but, but I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll be honest with you. And, and I, I laughed. I kind of, I, I guffawed uh, when you said typically those types of comments are, are, are reserved for the female sportscasters. I, not because I think it's funny, uh, but because, no, it's, I know. because it's so true. And mm-hmm. uh, it just is. And, and guys, are they wearing sleeves? How low cut is the top? Oh, man. Dude, is she wearing glasses? Does she ever wear, not wear her glasses? Oh, she looks a little different this, you know, whatever. What's her necklace like? Why is her hair that way? I mean, it's always been that way for women. And my co-host in Jim Van Horn for years on on the, the desk at Sportsnet, he could have worn the same tie and jacket every single day and no one would have noticed. Yeah, no, it's true. It's totally true. Linda, you're no stranger to that either, unfortunately. I mean, I wish we I, I wish we weren't able to just assume here that the two of you have navigated that bullshit for 30 years, but <laughs> I would imagine you probably have. Well, in Edmonton, there was this situation where so many women in particular, because Unfortunately, women are often women's worst critics when it comes to your appearance. And so women would call the news desk during the news to complain about the women who were on air. She looks fat. Her hair, her color of her hair makes her look like a prostitute. I don't like the color of her lipstick. That's a hideous jacket. So Jalen and I and I, because when we work together, we would, you know, bat off some of these nasty comments. So we created this thing we called the loony bin. It was a plastic jar that had a Hulk on the top. And anytime somebody said something really nasty, we would put a toonie in there or a loony. And we figured that once we had enough cash, we'd do a little self-care. We'd go have a pedicure or something and try to turn something nasty into something positive. Mm. I saw a tweet yesterday. I'm trying to track it down, but I don't think I'll find it. I, I wasn't familiar with who the person was. And uh, and her account had like, I don't know, like 800 followers or a thousand followers. So like you might describe her. She was she was just a person, right? Just a person. Uh, we're all just people, to be clear. But I'm just saying she's yeah. not she wasn't a celebrity. Somebody wasn't jealous of right. her Hollywood success. They weren't. She didn't just right. win an Emmy. She's just a regular person. And yeah. she had posted a photo. She's holding an ice cream cone and uh, said like it was something like, you know, have a great day. It was like a positive positive thing and this troll somebody that follows her or maybe somebody that didn't follow her was was like what's up with your teeth why do they look that way why are you smiling like that she responds and she basically said i don't understand the motivation for sharing a comment like this she said my smile is my biggest insecurity So the tweet has like 50,000 likes and people yeah. are people are like, you go, girl, you're the you know, and I mean, just encouraging her. I mean, it's irrelevant, but she's actually stunningly beautiful, uh, but irrelevant. Uh, but but I was just like t- I shared her her comment or I shared her the premise of her 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 wonderment aloud of like what would prompt somebody to share somebody like, like what, what, what prompts that sort of somebody who's really unhappy in their own life. Someone who doesn't feel good about themselves, who's insecure, unhappy, angry, and lashing out at someone else because they can. That's how social media works. And I don't know if they get <clears throat> some little, you know, flutter and trill of delight when they're reaching out and being mean to someone. But at the end of the day, you have to really look at that person and say, you're really unhappy and you need to look in the mirror and figure out why before you're lashing out at other people. Huh. 
I'm going to jump in and say that I'm really glad that there was such a, an influx of positivity for this particular tweet. Um, and I see that more and more. And that gives me a little bit of hope. Honestly, when it comes to social media, every now and then you see a glimmer of beauty on uh, online, oftentimes by people who you can identify if you go to their bio really when the trolls come out when somebody comes out and says something just out of left field nasty you go to their bios like one follower zero following it's like oh right okay somebody has created that account to build discourse and to get people fighting online and it's just it's it's one more reason why we have the conversation about i wish uh that predominantly online uh profiles had to be verified i wish there were fewer of these you know, uh, firewall, Linda, you tweet about them all the time. These, these, what are oh, those emails so called? Mad. They're encrypted email services. Yeah. One's called proton.org, I think. The other one's called MailFence. And the intent is supposed to be to protect people who might be want to criticize government in a country where there's a dictatorship or they're yeah. afraid about retribution. But these accounts are being used by trolls and really nasty and frankly, potentially violent people to reach out anonymously in a way that can't be tracked back. I got a death threat through one of these recently, as many of the female broadcasters have had. And I reached out to male fans directly and said, like, come on. And they said, oh, boy, we're so sorry to see this. But the reality was they said, you have to get police involved. Canadian police have, and this was in Denmark, I believe, this company, they have to get a court order blah 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 yeah we know who it is we couldn't stop it but we're not going to i was like oh thanks a lot for helping um stamp out the toxic discourse yeah jerry is watching us live says yeah i totally agree um all verified accounts would be a step in the right direction didn't uh i am I'm, I'm sort of like i'm taking us into a direction where i don't really remember the details take us anywhere yeah, well, we're just having coffee but i yeah. I, I didn't face facebook kind of took steps toward that in a way a few years ago i think like there there used to be a lot of facebook accounts that would just be fake and and things like that but i think you had to like at least i mean i'm not to, not to say there's not burner facebook accounts i'm sure there are right. but i guess the point i'm making is there are ways even retroactively i think to go back and at least require some proof of like you said linda whether it's a verified email address or or a real name i don't think you need to be posting requiring people's driver's licenses and things like right. that i think a lot of people would be pretty hesitant to do that but there are ways to regulate it yeah, Facebook said you had to have a phone number associated okay. with the email. So okay. you couldn't have one cell number and seven Facebook accounts. It's like this number is already with this account, uh, got which it. at least gave one more layer where you could identify because the phone number had to be verified. Yeah. So there was that because, I mean, you know, we talked about this last time when I was on here and then the the man who had criminally harassed me online for five years, who is now going to trial um, in the next month or so, um, he would just renew a different hotmail. And I'm telling you, like, as Linda said about the death threat she got through one of those fenced off mail servers, encrypted mail servers, um, every time I would go to block this individual and try and protect myself from the vitriol and the death threats and the threats against my family and the I'm coming for you's, uh, he would just create another uh, Jody Swallows at Hotmail.com. Like, it was just... Think about the amount of time this guy has spent just trying to harass you, get at you, and evade detection. 
And it turns out that I believe the guy's married and he has a job. So what the heck is going on in your head? I think this is someone who is super unhappy and probably has some mental health issues. And I'm going to get more in detail with it. Um, and, and Ryan, I promise to share the whole story here as well. Uh, once we get into the trial phase and it's put before the crown and we get once we're through it, the whole story will come forward and I'll be happy to share all of it. Yeah. The Globe and Mail article had a lot in it. And I'm just on a mission. I am not letting this go. I am no longer afraid of this individual. I know who he is. I'm going to look him straight in the eyes. I'm going to hold him to account and hopefully we can make it so that harassment like this, even if it's your teeth are ugly and I can't believe this about you, that's enough. That should yeah. be enough well, for swift and meaningful consequences. Yeah, in my we, don't, opinion. we don't have to have it, it doesn't have to be a death threat before we take it seriously. And and I'm also right. and I'm also not saying that I think and I know you're not saying this. But, you know, someone will come at me. I have my own insecurities. Of course I do. Obviously. I mean, I, I wear mine on my sleeve. Like, I'm up 25 pounds from before COVID. And and I look every time I look at, like, I'm just, this is real talk with two people I respect a lot. Every time I look in the camera right now, I'm unhappy. That's my insecurity. <laughs> I'm serious. And so people, you know, one yeah. guy, what was the what was the comment? Someone, I don't remember it was. Someone wrote in to, uh, talking about my turkey gobbler or something under my chin. And oh, it, it actually, no but, no, but it actually made me laugh. Um, like, I thought it was kind of funny, but, but but I was like, you know what? It, those little things do dig away at you. And sure. for, for somebody to like for, for that gal, if it's her smile that she's insecure about and then somebody hits that insecurity on the nose, then it's just like it, it impacts like it can ruin your day. So and on yeah. the flip side, Ryan, it can also you can reach out and just say something kind to someone you don't know or make a positive comment. And that can make their day, hmm. you know, yes. they can be happy about it. And it takes takes as much effort to just go, hey, you know, you, that's awesome. Congratulations to you. Yeah. Really pleased, whatever. You're good why at that, Linda Steele. Why can't we do that? Well, so are you, Jody. Yeah, but, but you're why really can't we do that? Yeah, but you're, you're next level. And anybody that I speak with who has worked with you in Edmonton in particular, you've got a great team of people in Edmonton. I actually have friends through social media who you used to work with because they all flooded me when we first started working together on radio. They flooded me with, oh, my God, I love Linda so much. And you're going to love her. <laughs> da, 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 da. And you are one who lifts others up. And I, I don't think people Sorry. realize that so much more comes your way when you lift up rather than tear down. And the people mm -hmm. that would tear down, and even if somebody thinks, I don't like Jody Vance, I don't like her. You know what? You are allowed to not like me. You are not allowed to come at me with how much you don't like me. Mm. If, it, well, if it bothers me, that I can stop. And that's what I want there to be. For somebody who says, you know what? I don't want that in my life. You must stop. And if you don't, here are the consequences. You know what? I worked with a boss at CKNW Radio who said something that really resonated with me. Because as you know, Ryan, having worked for Chorus as well, you're taking a lot of calls and in the open line, and you're not sure what people are going to say. And yeah. my boss said, listen, you can attack the idea that's being presented, but don't attack the person. Mm. Don't say, you're an idiot. You can say, I don't like that idea, and this is why. Or that what you just said is offside because of this. But you don't go after the person. You go after the comment, the idea, you know, the motivation. But don't make it personal. And I've really, that's really stuck with me. And I've really tried to do that. Hmm. I've been... Uh... 
talking to a therapist for the past number of months and it's been amazing for my mental health and and i hope for my development as a human and and i've committed to to talking about it at at least snippets publicly because i want to encourage other guys and other people as well to to talk to a mental health professional i think it's just there there's really nothing to lose and no downside and yeah and we were looking and and she's been very honest with me and 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 she talked about a tendency um and i'll put it out here that that I have um, and I'm not the only human being that has this tendency to dehumanize people. And I didn't realize mm. it. And I wasn't familiar with that phrase as a description of what Give I us an example. Doing. What do you mean? Well, like an example would be to say to take a look at the truck convoy driving across mm. the country and say, look at these right. fucking idiots. Right. right as, yeah. as opposed to um, I wonder what makes these people tick. I'm genuinely curious at what they're angry about. I take issue with their comments about Sharia law and and, uh, you know, like Islam and uh, like all all of the things that have nothing to do with, you know, whatever they were protesting in the first place, like the carbon tax or vaccine mandates. Like there Mm -hmm. there are ways to call out um, untruths, discrimination. Um, you know, et cetera, without yeah. simply dismissing an entire group. I mean, you you look even right now at, at um, you know, another example. Um, and I was reading there's a great New York Times piece about this that was published just this week, looking back on Hillary Clinton's comment about the deplorables that, right. were, yeah. su- that were supporting that. Donald Trump. And the, the I thought that the Times piece was very fair and very well written. But it actually investigates how that gave a lot of fuel to the Trump campaign. Now, Hillary Clinton may not have been wrong in her assessment of (laughs) some people. But when you start to characterize an entire group as a certain thing, it's very dangerous. See, that's it, Ryan. And I think that we have to be careful because it's a slippery slope and we're tiptoeing toward what we saw with Donald Trump and the polarization in the U.S., you can say, I'm not going to vote conservative, or I'm uncomfortable with what Pierre Polyev is saying or the way he's campaigning. But you cannot say you're all a bunch of dingbats, you're losers, you're all right, you're nuts. You have to say, listen, there's a fairly large proportion of Canadian society that you know, agrees with what Pierre Polyev is saying for various reasons, whether it's economic insecurity or want the autonomy to be able to have a vaccine or not have a vaccine, but to try to shut them down just ticks people off and they want to be heard and they want to be seen. And so I think the real lesson in this is to listen carefully. Okay, what is Polyev saying that's really resonating and why? Because if we ignore it, we're going right down the same road the Americans did. Yeah, um, we, we've been having uh, multiple conversations on this show, and I know you two have been uh, chiming in on this as well. And it's, there's this sort of like it appears to be a coordinated campaign of threats and hatred that have been leveled specifically at, 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 at a handful of journalists. I'm not this is certainly not yeah. limited to them, but there are a few journalists across the country, including Erica Ifill, who joins us almost mm-hmm. on the regular on this show. Uh, Rachel Gilmore, as well, our former colleague at Global News. Um, and Rachel shared yesterday. And again, this is there's some adult language here. There's one word I won't use, but but there's there's adult language here. So kids heads up. But, you know, she shared this is just yesterday. And Rachel's been pelted with these messages for the past couple of months. Um, but but a, an account East Coast Craft Collective sent her a message that says and she shared it publicly yesterday, quote, I literally hope you die an agonizing fucking death, burnt alive, suffocated, kidnapped and starved. 
It's what you truly deserve. And then he dropped, like, and then drops the C bomb. Um, yeah. Like Have what point are we at? Myself. Right. Well, and that kind of person is dangerous. You go, Jody. Sorry, I want to hear what you. Think. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, it, it, as it's triggering for me. I'm not going to lie to you. As you say, Ryan, like I'm in therapy provided by victim services through the Vancouver Police Department because I have been targeted uh, for what they call uh, sex crimes and harassment, online harassment, and and getting charges uh, against this individual who has sent me similar, very similar, and posted about me in news groups uh, and, and industry groups. And, and Linda received emails from this individual. He would go out of his way to contact every guest I had on the radio station. He it, it, just the, the level of vitriol and the, the 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 every time one goes unanswered, it gets a little bit more vicious the next time and a little like the, he was photoshopping my face into into concentration camp Jeez. in Auschwitz. With a Chinese then, flag across it, your mouth. My and... mask. Yep. I was a communist. I was a Bolshevik. I was going to die in a concentration camp. That, in fact, would have been too good for me. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And like I just... Linda actually, unbeknownst to me, went up the the ladder uh, to report what she was seeing. Going, is anybody doing anything here? Why the hello, right? Yeah, and nothing was being done because this was a couple of years ago. Now it was early days of COVID. Actually, when I sat, but it was the first time I was in a room with people other than my pod, uh, my bubble. Um, when I did my statement in in a room with the cameras and the cops and the whole thing, and it's taken it'll probably take seven or eight years for me to to get to the to the place where this individual will have some semblance of consequence here. And I really do applaud the Crown in BC for taking this on and charging him because it starts out as like, who do we even know who this is? How do we find them? Jesse Miller of Mediated Reality was able to track down who this person was. That's a piece of this that I think is very, very important. Not just yeah. law enforcement, but identifying who these who these cowards are because they're cowardly. Jody, did and you, you know have, did you have to contract that out, that Mediated Reality, or did the police? Like, how did that, did you have to take the initiative? You know what? Jesse Miller's a friend of mine who okay. was on air with me and- he because I kept it all very quiet. I, I'm like, I'm going to plow ahead. I got thick skin. You know how it is. All three of us have had to deal. Right. It's just part of the job. Sure. It's what we have to do. It's, you know, carry on. And he was a regular guest when I would fill in. And this particular individual decided that he was going to be a target, too, by sending it out. Because this guy would would copy in my bosses, the viewer line at Global BC, the listener line, Linda. Jill, Mike Smith, Charles Adler, everybody was copied in. It was so embarrassing to me every time I would open one of these up, knowing that my colleagues were seeing all of this ugliness that he would put forward. And and it's just, it was so poignant after asking for help up the food chain. Sorry, I'm getting all uppity. Up the chain at work. And they're like, well, there's really nothing we can do. You know, maybe call the non-emergency line police. And then I called the non-emergency line of police. And they're like, well, there's really not a lot we can do, but track it. And you should keep keep these um, as they come in, keep a file, da, da, da. And then, you know, it's hard to track who this person is. And then Jesse texted me one day and said, got a minute. Mm. And I said, yes. And he called me. And he said, grab a pencil. Hmm. And I had name, phone number, home address, and mm-hmm. where So clearly not all that hard to get the information. Not right? hard to get if the information. If someone actually does it. 
one more second because the reason why I could is because he was involved in the gun trade. He had to register his IP address because when in Canada, if you have any association with the firearms industry, you must register, which I think is a is a safeguard that could easily be more than just those involved with guns. So uh, in one way, I was lucky that he's involved with weapons. In another way, it terrified me that he was involved with weapons. And that's how I and, found him. You know, uh, to your point as well, Ryan, with those female journalists who've really been attacked with the most disgusting, disgusting. vitriolic texts and emails and what have you, one of them was posted and I just jumped on the top of it on the thread and just said, this is criminal. This is disgusting. This has to stop. And within, I'd say a minute, maybe two minutes, boom, I got my own full of the C word. You should die. I have an idea for your first show. Why don't you do it on a gallows? You'll break your neck. Jeez. And I mean, it was gross. Uh, these people, it's gross. Freaks, frankly. Um, just for the benefit of our audience, uh, the entertainment of our audience, I'd like to let them know that we're uh, about 24 minutes into this roundtable and we've not yet begun to talk about any of the subjects that we, <laughs> that we previously that, yeah. that we previously Welcome to our show. I just, That's what our show is. Exactly. <laughs> That's what yeah. we do. How is the show going? So it's so people that, that didn't catch the the inaugural Steel and Vance Real Talk Roundtable, which was ahead of the launch of Steel and Vance on Check, uh, may not know some of the cool elements of this, but basically Check is an employee owned TV station. You guys have a ton of like, I mean, this is your show. It's a new yeah. challenge. It's kind of in a way a different format than what you've done in past. You're about what, two weeks in now? How's it going? Well, it's been exciting. And I know that Jody's going to let me jump in because uh, Jan Arden was our first guest. And Love you know, it. Jan Arden is like, she's smart. She's opinionated. She's talented. She's funny. She's gracious. We love her. We were thrilled to have her. Our problem is what are we not going to talk about? Yeah. This show, Jody, am I right? This show could be like three hours long because yeah. we're like, man, an hour went and we still had 500 things to talk about. Oh, I love it. Uh, people it's get really, check- it, sorry, it's really interesting, too, that we have our viewers become a part of it. Linda's great at putting up polls on social media. We run our own social media, obviously, and we also own this show. There's nothing we can't say on this show. And Ryan, you are very much an inspiration in that way because you've created something so cool here. We're aligning it. We have to watch our mouth just a little bit more, but if something goes a bit sideways, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be okay because not just employee-owned is check. But it's the only employee-owned media outlet in North America. That's so adding cool. local shows. That's so everybody cool. else growing. Canceling. Yeah, I was going to say it's not dying on the vine. Which you know, I say that, and it gives me a pit in my stomach because we've seen what's happened to to local news coverage, to local conversations, yeah. to to production of of yeah. platforms that really matter. People can check out checknews.ca or you can obviously just Google Steel and Vance and that's where you can watch full episodes of the show, which is really great. Um, can Thank I ask you. you guys about a story? I, I'm, I'm sure that you saw this. This is uh, this is one that surfaced just yesterday. Did, did you see that Ezra Levant and Rebel News is being sued? Did you yes. see this story? This is pretty interesting. This is a, a professor out of the University of Calgary, Dr. Jean-Christophe Boucher, uh, who served notice by way of his lawyer, Scott Ventura Rudikoff, LLP. They're actually going to be they're, they're suing for defamation, uh, which is pretty remarkable, actually, uh, considering what that 
team at Rebel has been getting away with over the past right. number of years. But this guy's finally pushing back um, some of the false and defamatory statements per his lawyer's notice uh, include describing this researcher, this professor at the University of Calgary, as a raging Trudeau liberal on Trudeau's payroll, on Big Pharma's payroll, too, uh, describing him as one who wants to shut down media outlets like Rebel. What a disgrace, writes Levant, a professor who hates free speech and debate so much that he literally wants to silence us and shut us down. That's not a professor. That's a liberal party mole at the U of C. I thought it's... For someone, though, to step up and actually, I mean, of course, Ezra's already turning this into a fundraising drive for the um, Rebel. Of course. Yeah, of course. He's got his website up and they're ready to go. This is probably for him a license to to print money. But pretty significant stuff for this professor to finally clap back. You don't see people doing that all the time. For fear, Let me I jump in reprisal. first on this one. I'm going to say this out loud. And, and we all, as journalists, as people in the media, typically make a point of never attacking a fellow media member or journalist, I feel confident and comfortable in saying all of this is well-deserved by Ezra Levant. I don't consider that individual to be a journalist, yeah. even though wearing the the foe of, of, of being a member of the pet press, of being a member of the media, calling himself a journalist when clearly he is not. This is Long overdue, in my opinion, that people who are like this, that you say, like fundraise on the back of this, are creating, quote unquote, air quotes, news organizations that just aren't. They just aren't. Hmm. Yeah. Well, can we also talk about the huge problem we have with media literacy in Canada? Because it has always been that there is uh, editorial comment and news reporting. And if you work in the newsroom, you're supposed to leave your opinion and biases out of it. It's facts. That's it. No opinion. If you yeah. are a columnist, a radio talk show host, a TV talk show host, then your opinion, you're being paid to have one. So there's a difference between having an opinion that people don't agree with and then being defaming someone and saying something that is inaccurate, that's damaging to their person and, and profession. So I think there's a fine line we have to walk, but I still think that people can't tell the difference anymore between editorial and news. So they think if someone makes an editorial comment who's paid to, that means all the media is biased and Canadians need to, and maybe we, the media need to reset the table and say, this is the difference. And, and maybe we need to flag the different types of media opinion in big flashing red letters so that people can tell the difference. I, I mean, maybe we're part of the problem, too. Well, and I was I was just going to say, like, I think that uh, in particular, the three of us are part of the problem. No, um, I was going to say that <laughs> I am. I'm the we're problem. Part of the I problem. am definitely the problem. Let's, let's I just be, ask my husband. Yeah, people people's I like I want to be very clear without opinion. This show would suck. So it's kind of built on that. <laughs> but what I, what I was actually going to say is you look at um, and I mean, many books have been written on this and, and, and people have pursued, you know, theses on this and but you look at like the 24 hour cable news phenomenon yeah. in the United States and in particular CNN versus Fox News. And 
both of them are so driven by partisan positions. Now, you might say with CNN, you might say, well, what an outlier, though. The, the Trump years, what were they supposed to do? You have to call a spade a spade. I guess we can have that argument. But if you put it on Fox for an hour, if you put it on CNN for an hour, it's impossible to ignore the partisan influence there. And I think that that goes a long way toward forging these opinions that people have that those news outlets really can't be trusted to be objective. Yeah. I don't blame some people for feeling that way. But I also want to say that on, on there's the difference between having an opinion rooted in the facts before you. Sure. And then there is a whole other fantasy land where you get to create nonfiction or fiction, excuse me, you get to create fiction and then react to that as though it's nonfiction. Like, to be able, like watching Tucker Carlson uh, versus watching Jim Acosta, right? So CNN and Fox News, big name individuals. When oftentimes I'll tune in just to monitor what's happening on Fox and be like, yeah, me too. They're actually not talking about a real thing here. They're creating a thing. Mm -hmm. They're creating a possible noise surrounding a few choice facts, and then they're blowing it up. They're like it, it. Tucker Carlson said something. Wouldn't it be great if if some of these immigrants, uh, asylum seekers were flown into, you know, some areas like Martha's Vineyard, per se. And then the next day or hours later, boom, you know, the, the Texas and Florida governors are flying in uh, these innocents who are looking for asylum in the United States into these places and spaces mm. like it was. And CNN was like, it, it's pretty interesting. They're rolling the Tucker Carlson on CNN and then reacting. Like, I think we're just. Well, and let's talk about Joe Rogan. The newsing. Yeah, Joe, Joe Rogan, Rogan for sure. Not a journalist, but has a massive platform and a huge following. And he made um, an offside comment the other day about homeless people and oh. that maybe people should just kill them. Well, you know what? Days later, someone who's must have been mentally ill went around uh, one of the cities in Langley. Metro Vancouver, in the lower mainland, yeah, and yeah. started shooting homeless people. I'm not saying that's Joe Rogan's fault or that he heard or was inspired by Joe Rogan, but it could have been. These people have a lot of power, and with that power yeah. and platform, you have to respect the fact that it's a privilege and there is uh, care that has to be taken with it. Yeah. Yeah. Responsibility. Yeah. It's uh, I, I get um, man, that whole Joe Rogan thing. I, I think that there is responsibility that comes with a platform. I mean, he literally I mean, he, you know, the evidence is there. Like Spotify gave him a hundred million dollars right. to make his podcast ex podcast exclusive to their platform. Like this guy's big time. It might be the biggest podcast mm -hmm. in the world. And yeah. So, so, yeah, there's a responsibility implied. And then at the same time, there's that kind of Rogan. Uh, it's like a feigned innocence where he's, right. he, where he says, hey, I, I never like said I'm a journalist. I never said I was a yeah. scientist. I've talked to Professor Timothy Caulfield about this on the show uh, before that. He he's calls, great. He, yeah, he calls yeah. it jacking off. <laughs> J.A.Q., just asking questions. He says, you've got oh. these jack offs. <laughs> like I'm just asking questions. But and here's the rub. And here's what some people might, might not uh, love to hear me say. But but I do also think that. When, when we talk about things like freedom of speech and accessibility of platforms and independent media, it, it's like at what point, uh, like with regards to crackdowns, uh, 
let me veer off for a second and say there have been things like the Canadian Broadcast Standards Council or the C- CRTC or the the uh, you know the American equivalents there. The and um, and and people will say like there have been standards for what's been said on television and radio for many years. You can't spread mistruths. You can't lie. You can't defame. You can't libel and slander. And and you could be held accountable. Ultimately, you could be sued or even lose your broadcast license. Uh, you know, but but it's different now with podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can have a podcast about anything you want, and if nobody listens to it, that's the reality. And if 300 million people listen to it, then that's the reality, too. It's a whole new yeah. landscape. And the question is, how do you regulate it in a way that that uh, preserves and protects freedom of expression? Right. And at the same time, uh, and, and I think we're more sensitive as a society now because of covid and because the stakes have been literally life and death when it comes to sharing medical opinions or things around vaccines or masks or, or whatever. But but I don't think that it's black and white. I really don't think it's black and white. Well, and part of the problem, too, is that we are seeing and again, I sort of track a lot of this to Donald Trump's fake news narrative and trying to undermine the media as being the enemy of the people. People used to trust you know, Walter Cronkite and yeah. Barbara Frum and Peter Mansbridge, and they would tune in and they would feel that what they were being told was factual and it was the truth. And they didn't have to sort of read between the lines or sift it. And so now what's happening, and I saw a recent poll from Edelman does a trust barometer. Journalists are like, we're at the bottom of the heap now. And there's a massive percentage of people, a majority of Canadians are saying, oh, I don't even trust you guys anymore. So if we, who do we know where to go and who to trust, if not mainstream media, that's dangerous. And it's dangerous you know, to democracy when we've lost faith in our institutions. Yeah. Corey. yeah, The bad guys win. The bad guys win when that happens, when freedom of the press is gone, when trust of the media is plummeting. And, and in that same Edelman poll, uh, the, the trust index, uh, we're on the bottom alongside the doctors, the scientists, lawyers. the yeah. lawyers, the nurses, the, you know, it's, it's crazy where the, the hardworking, you know, often thankless jobs, you know, there's so many people, honestly, Ryan, you, you know this for sure. And I know Linda does too. People assume we make millions and millions and millions of dollars being uh, journalists in, in this country. And I assure you, we do not. We do not. Mm. And and it's a, we, we talked to Brad West, the mayor of Port Coquitlam, on Steel and Vance last night. And it was fascinating to sort of sidebar with him after the show. We were chatting about, you know, what it's like to to get in into politics in this environment because politicians certainly would fall into the same similar bin as all of it like politicians they're horrible lying out you know fill in the blanks there and then and targeted all all of who now have given of themselves to create a better society are now the ones that are being blamed for everything and it's that finger pointing piece because there is so much um, escalated anxiety, angst, and and amplified mental health issues that maybe once were lying dormant that have sort of been exacerbated, right? And he told us something that was really astonishing because Brad West, the mayor of Port Coquitlam, has very, very high approval ratings. In fact, he was just reelected by acclamation because nobody was going to challenge this guy. People are happy with him. He's in his mid-30s. He's got a couple of young kids. He's, he's very proactive about addressing concerns in the community. And he told us that they recently had to have the police arrest someone who was mad at him over a bylaw issue that he didn't really have any control over. He started by saying he was going to kill the mayor. Then he was going to kill the mayor's wife. 
Then he was going to kill the mayor's young children. Then he showed up with a replica handgun and was eventually arrested. But in At the City beginning, Hall. he said the yeah. police were kind of like, well, you know, it's just somebody who's not happy. Well, that could escalate into, and we've seen it before, public officials or politicians literally being shot. Yeah. But this is the world we're in now with this angry rhetoric um, and, and people being a little bit unhinged and then the pandemic fed into a lot of that anxiety and mental health stuff yeah i think you're right uh Corey's watching right now says i don't think that joe rogan knows or really cares about the power he wields uh, i think he mm. knows i think he's very well aware of the power he wields uh whether or not he maybe cares, truly doesn't care about i much, can't yeah. say uh tracy says you know people did used to trust doctors and police officers and teachers and priests and so on is there any institution mm. left that we trust uh tracy wonders maybe the military great question tracy, tracy says i don't know i mean yeah. the military no, military in, in the sexual assault scandals exactly. and the culture of I mean I don't you know I mean there's been a bunch of stuff going on with the Canadian military that's not a swipe at the men and women that serve our country obviously no, no. Um, but I don't think I'd go on the record to say the military is the only institution that people trust anymore can can, <laughs> can you get it back I mean you, you you talk about how trust in the media is down I mean it's almost used as like a slur now people spit the word the media uh, mm-hmm. you know Pierre Poliev is doubling down on it the media is against us Andrew Shear fueling that same fire there's Poliev David the, Aiken the, the, the David fight. Aiken thing like let me ask you about that Pierre the, yeah. the, the conservatives roll out a fundraising campaign like an hour after it happens saying only you talking to the Canadian public, their supporters in particular, only you can help us go around the media. Like, what does that do for transparency? This guy's two days, three days into his leadership. But like we described, uh, stations, big news stations are no longer, for the most part, financially viable. I mean, post media has been bleeding money for years, smaller Mm -hmm. towns, smaller cities. And like, no offense, I'm about to name some of them. They're going to go, we're not that small, but like, you know, (laughs) Red Deer, like 100,000 people doesn't have a TV station in Anymore. I mean, there's yeah. a ton of communities that don't have TV stations anymore and young kids like young adults going into this field. I mean, the pay is so lousy. I mean, I'll acknowledge yeah. it was 2004. So I'll acknowledge this is almost 20 years ago, but still my first job in media, $19,000 a year. And I guarantee what? 19 in grand. Linda, that was Jim Pattison was paying uh, me 19 grand a year to be at big one Oh five in red deer. If you can believe it, $690 every two weeks. But the point is, what is it now? 25. I guarantee it's not 60 grand a year. So you're not attracting people to the career. And so if you talk about how can the media earn trust back, what would you typically say? Commitment to community, integrity, check media, like, well, there you go. So how, because they were going to shut down that station. That's how check became check is that it was an affiliate. It was a bureau that was shut down by the big corp. And the employees were like, well, what do you, we we all got pink slip simultaneously. This was 12 years ago and they bought it for pennies on the dollar. And for years, didn't take a paycheck. All of their money went back into growing it. And now it's growing. That's how we fix media is we get the big corporate Mm -hmm. overlord vibe out of it. Not that every corporation is, you know, evil, but there is this sort of, you know, we've still got to t- we got to pay our 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 shareholders, and we've got and the dividends and the top uh, you know cream of the crop fly on private jets. While you know the, the hardworking people on the street are making the you know forty grand a year to work uh, fifty hours a week or what have you. And I'm telling you that Czech media has that blueprint that I think being hyper local, Ryan. I think you nailed it. Like we need our local stations. I don't need the Toronto Weather Report in Vancouver. I don't. Sure. 
And that's what happened too. If you look at going way back, my first full-time TV job was at ITV in Edmonton. And people loved it because it was an independent station. This was before the 500 channel universe, but ITV yeah. was hyper-local. We were out doing community events. We were doing live coverage. We were doing all kinds of things that were really in the community. It was Station of the Oilers. People loved it. And I remember the day they called us in and said, you've got to turn in every piece of clothing and everything you have that has an ITV logo on it because we're about to become global. Mm. And global was not a brand that was known in the Edmonton or in Alberta at the time. And we were like, are we going to give people a chance to wrap their heads around this? What does global mean to them? It was an Eastern based uh, company, right? And they just said, nope. And one day, boom, ITV was gone and we became global and the ratings kind of went boop at first and we had to rebuild trust. But to Jody's point, I think that's what's missing is because stations are trying to save money and they're trying to say, let's have all the same graphics at every CTV station across the country, um, that it starts to become, you know, kind of a bland whatever uh it Branded. doesn't feel like branded media my yeah. station mm. we yeah. i i experienced that on a on a maybe we, we always look to itv with a little like because you guys were always number one linda That's and fine. uh but you know i was at so it had at a channel of course and a channel had had like such a it had this like run and gun video journalist like word on the street yeah. we we shoot our own selfie camcorder stand-ups before anybody was doing it and they had really oh, earned yeah. this reputation as like hustlers and the morning yeah. show like the big breakfast because they do unconventional things that linda you know <laughs> your colleagues weren't allowed to do on itv because yeah. some of them were like illegal, like doing burnouts with race cars <laughs> on Jasper Avenue down the, down the downtown Edmonton Strip. But but my point is um, City TV, which has 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 like had dominated ratings in Toronto for many years, really wanted a foothold in Alberta, but they couldn't get the broadcast licenses. So they offer Craig Media a bunch of money. They buy a channel and then they just rebrand it to City TV. And you know what? To this day, and I have friends that still work there and I love them and I respect them. But like. It didn't work. It didn't no. catch. And if anything, the, the thing that drove me nuts a little bit, because we worked so hard to like grow that station and to grow our ratings, was that people would still refer to it as a channel. They would still refer to breakfast television as the big breakfast because that's what they had connected with. And the rebrand just didn't translate. And it's interesting, too, because in radio, they can go in and just blow up a station. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, you're hearing a song on repeat going, what happened to the host? And they can turn it from hard rock to all sports or whatever, and sometimes make a success of it. But in television, I've learned over the years that it takes a brand new TV station a minimum of 25 years to actually get in within sight of the top, you know, one or two. It's tough. And people have... You grew up, if your parents watched Global, you're going to watch Global. It's just something that's sort of, you know, you're born into almost. So it takes a lot to make people change the channel. And I think stations are stupid management when they do not respect the audience enough to think that this is not going to resonate with them, that you're just going to, who cares? We're just going to call ourselves something else. Um, I think that people invest a lot of time uh, into trusting and embracing a TV station. Those days are starting to wane. People are starting to go, I don't care anymore. Mm. Um, I'm going to jump in and say yeah. that when you launched A-Channel, 
I launched VTV at Vancouver Television. Oh, yeah. That's now the CTV outlet there. So we were we're alive all at the same time, and so <laughs> yeah. it was it was a special time when you know there was a birth of many, and we're watching the death of a number. Yeah, and that's why I think Linda and I and I love what you're doing here, which is why we always answer the call. Like anytime you call, we're coming on. <laughs> it doesn't matter what time it is. But Linda and I are so incredibly proud of Check. Hmm. Uh, and to be a part of that because they are also open to us owning our show. So cool. Right? So, so cool. cool. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm grateful for those years at, at, at the underdog uh, because so it, it, it prepared me for what we're doing now. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is a tall order, but it's something where we're just looking at the runway and it's clear and it's exciting and media is changing and evolving and growing. And I know that there's an audience hunger for it. And, and that's really great. Hey, why don't we touch on before we thank you for your time? Why don't we touch on at least one thing that we had previously agreed okay. to talk about? Because um, <laughs> we literally haven't even started our list yet. But who cares? Yeah. We wanted to show up and have coffee together. I like this better. Uh, yeah. I, I, like I like this, this better. Way better. Uh, yeah. About, about twenty five hundred people, twenty five hundred and thirty three responded to an unofficial, unscientific Twitter poll that I threw out earlier this week, asking, "What's your workplace doing about Monday's federal holiday?" Sixty eight percent, more than two thirds, uh, say it's business as usual. Uh, another eighteen percent at that point were waiting to see what the provinces were going to do. That would impact, obviously, their workplace's decision. Ten percent taking the day off to honor the Queen and. And uh, mm-hmm. about 4% chose other, and I asked them to explain below, and it turns out that virtually all of them, it seems, are working in agriculture. Uh, they're doing hard, they're they're harvesting right now, and so they have no choice. Milk oh, and the cows, what, yeah. What's going on in your world, and what, what's your thought around the, the federal holiday on Monday? And, and, and basically, uh, I mean, obviously people mourning the loss of and celebrating the, the life and the reign of Queen Elizabeth II. I thought it was unnecessary to do a national holiday because we've had wall-to-wall coverage and the funeral is at three o'clock in the morning pacific so if you were going to stay up and watch the funeral you might be a little bleary-eyed the next day but you could get up and just turn on the tv and and see all the highlights and feel like you got to experience it don't get me wrong i have respect for the queen i think she did a good job i'm sad for her family but she was 96. i just think it caused so much stress here in BC, when they close in schools, parents were scrambling, healthcare workers, everyone's going, how am I going to get childcare at the last minute? Some people have the day off, some people don't. I, someone pointed out, boy, it took how many years to get a National Truth and Reconciliation Day, but we could have a new stat, a one-off for the Queen in a matter of days. So yeah, I, 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 I didn't think it was necessary. Hmm. Jody, I, I'm a bit triggered by it in that as somebody who was a single parent um, who worked uh, off typical hours, childcare for me was incredibly difficult. Like I know it has been for so many. Um, my mom was a single mother and I and worked in hospitals. She was a lab technician for 35 years. So uh, a sudden pro D day or a sudden, you know, new whoops day off kind of vibe would be something that would upend our apple cart financially uh the stress level would spike this is not something that's like yay maybe i'll take the kids to disneyland this week you know there's that kind of the 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 divide the economic divide in the reaction to this would be very real for me personally do i need a vacation in order to honor the queen no i don't but i do know people who will want to market in a way that they want to be glued to it they want to watch it they want to be a part of it they want to you know it takes me back to the 
the Charles and Diana wedding, which many of us were, that was our first sort of real, you know, storm of, of royals and following along in a real life sort of Cinderella story, it felt like at the time and, and being in, into it. I, I have to say, I'm, I'm agreeing, agreeing with Linda that I, I don't know that it's necessary to have this as a federal holiday. Um, but here we are. And, and I don't want it yearly. To be honest, like maybe we reband Victoria Day and make it Elizabeth right. Day. Well, let me ask you this question. I'll ask you this too, Ryan, because I threw it out on Twitter. I saw that the lineup, they had to finally cut off the lineup yeah, because the it queue. was too long. So there's a 14-hour wait wow. to be able to walk past uh, the Queen's casket and pay your final respects. So I'm thinking, nah. I said to Jody yesterday, would you wait in line for No. So my question to both of you is, is there anyone family or friends aside, or the queen aside, that you would actually stand and line up 14 hours to pay your final respects to? Oh, wow. Uh, well, it would depend. It would depend what you could do in line. Like No, 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 no. The person. Is there anyone that you care enough about that you don't even know Joe? that you would wait I wish 14 hours? I wish I had had the opportunity. I would have done that with Gord Downey. Hmm. Yeah. I yeah. would have. Yeah. He was I, my Elvis. Sure. He was my Elvis. Yeah. I would have done it. I, yeah. I, I'm still trying to think. I can't think of anybody. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, 14 it, hours down in a lineup. And what's remarkable, yeah. too, yeah. is like. I would have had my son's Marshall headphones on and I would just be flipping through my hip library. I would have been like gording all the way there. I would bring snacks and a lawn chair. Yeah. I'd move along. Yeah. In, in Gord, we trust. Uh, yeah, sure. In Gord, yeah. That's on my fridge. That's literally on my fridge, Ryan Jesperson. <laughs> I will. Uh, I, I would have joined you in that. Yeah, sure. OK, Gord Downey. Yeah. yeah I was going to say maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I was even going to say I, I don't like naming names because then I'm going to pull it back. And then I feel bad. I was going to say maybe Wayne Gretzky. But even then, I, I don't. Think I was so. just thinking that, too. But even that. No. Like for, yeah. Because and you it, get great coverage. You can watch it. You can watch it from the, the comfort of your own home. You can go pee whenever right. you need. You can go. Yeah. Exactly. Go <laughs> grab a beer from the fridge. You don't have to sweat it. Um, yeah, hold on. I'm grabbing something from the fridge. I'm are gonna, you grabbing gonna, a beer? Uh, why are you doing? Well, it's almost nine in the morning Pacific time. So why not? It's Friday. <laughs> well, Jody's a day drinker. There, there you we are. Go. In okay. Gord, we trust. That's Jody Vance, Linda Steele, uh, co-stars of Steele and Vance that airs live Thursdays at 8 o'clock Pacific, 11 o'clock Eastern on Check. Of course, you can go to the website and watch all of their past episodes, and we're so grateful. And Ryan, Uh, you can also download the free Check Plus app, and you can watch it that way, too. Ooh. Wherever you are. You you don't have to subscribe to anything. You don't have to pay for anything. You don't have to be nothing. You just download it, hit it. You see us. Isn't this the best? Isn't yeah. it the best? This and we're just getting started. It's so exciting. Love both of you. Thanks for doing this. Have an amazing weekend. Love you too. So you gotta much, come Ryan, out and too. come on the show, dude. Oh, yeah. I'll fly out anytime to do the show. Mark my words. Oh, we don't can go. say that. We're writing it down, right? No, yeah, I'm okay. serious. We'll do Ryan we'll do Johnny, you want a road trip? We'll go do real talk from BC. Like, why can't oh, we? Yeah. There's no reason why we couldn't. Uh, do it. okay. Well, let's make a plan. All right. Okay. I mean it. I'm they serious. Are. That's steel and fans. We are too. <laughs> okay. What did we just get ourselves into, Johnny? I'm excited about this. An official Real Talk road trip. You'd be <laughs> nice. up for it, eh? Oh, totally would be. Yeah. We've been talking about getting a getting a. You uh, know this stuffy little office. We want to get a. <laughs> we want to get like a tour bus, and have it all. What do they call it? Wrapped. Out, yeah. You wrap it. You deck it out, and mm-hmm. then we'll 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 give it the capabilities. 
to do a show live and do a cross country journey, and it could start on the West Coast with an appearance on Steel. Then I know you. We'll never go back to the office. We'll just be touring around Canada the rest of our lives. We might get out to Nova Scotia and play that Cabot Cliffs golf course. Love it. Just decide to never leave Nova Scotia. Newfoundland would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to a town near you. I love that idea. That's a great idea. We're going to get to trash talk in just a second. Uh, I have not notified you of this yet, John, but you're going to be put on blast. And this what? Week's, yeah, there's a trash talk about you. And so I hope you're ready for it, pal. Brace yourself. That's coming up in just a second. You know, the conversations we have on this show uh, are made possible with the support of amazing sponsors like the team at Eden Landscaping, bringing outdoor spaces to life with over 20 years of on-the-ground experience in Edmonton and area. I was talking to Mike from Eden Landscaping just the other day. He wanted to let me know that they're hiring, right? He said, like many other businesses, they're looking to bolster their staff and so they can answer the demand from customers that are looking to hire Eden Landscaping. If this is in your wheelhouse and you'd like to get the conversation started, you can make contact with Mike and his team at landscapeedmonton.ca. That's where you can also browse their services, their portfolio, the water features they do, the stunning stonework, the natural beauty. They've done it all to the satisfaction of their return customers. That's Eden Landscaping. Hey, speaking of return business... Sherwood Dodge, St. Albert Dodge, they see it all the time. Why? Not just because you're going to get a fair deal, not just because they have the best selection of Ram trucks, Jeep, Dodge vehicles in the province of Alberta, but because their service teams takes your satisfaction seriously. It's an ongoing relationship when you get your vehicle from St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. You can find them under the Sponsors tab on our website. At Park Power, the reminder this week is that customers are saving money moving their electricity natural gas and internet business over to park power your friendly local utilities provider you bundle the services together you save on administration costs plus you can look at the fixed or variable rates depending on what you think is a better play for your household you can compare those two rates and make an informed decision today at parkpower.ca don't forget the promo code 2022-realtalk puts 70 dollars off your first bill right back into your pocket and it's a great weekend to visit the dairy queens of northwest edmonton and sherwood park in particular the baseline road location on sherwood park of course the burgers that everybody's buzzing about right now the signature stack burger collection that includes the flamethrower signature stack burger a little bit of heat on that one the loaded steakhouse stacker with the onion rings on top and one of my favorites the bacon two cheese deluxe the signature stack burgers at the dairy queens and palisades the mayo newcastle westmount and baseline road we'll be we wrap our week Every week here on Real Talk with, uh, well, a little vent session, if you will. You send us the emails to talk at ryanjesperson.com, and we read them in ramped-up fashion. It's presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. We call it Trash Talk! All right, now most people know that John Hicks, the intrepid technical producer of this show is also the official DJ of the CFL's Edmonton Elks. And this has prompted Megan to write into the show. What? She says, Johnny, this is Real Talk adjacent. Do you actually ever look at the DJ Elks hashtag on Twitter during the games? Megan says, because for the past two Elks games that I've been to, you've broken our kids' hearts. 
He just wants to hear some damn Lizzo. (laughs) My husband and I enjoy all the old school music, but please, Johnny, please just play some Lizzo or some Lil Nas X when my kid makes me tweet you with the DJ Elks hashtag during the game. Thank you very much. That from Megan. Noted. Noted, Megan. We're going to hear some Lizzo at Commonwealth Stadium next Elks game? First song next game. There we go. First song (laughs) next game. We're going to be flooded with emails right now. (laughs) The DJ Elks hashtag is how you can get Johnny Infamous' attention during the CFL Elks games. How about this one from Cole? Uh, Now, this isn't technically a trash talk, but I like the cut of the jib here. Cole says, Jespo, let me start by saying I'm a steadfast conservative from the heart of rural Alberta, but I found myself listening to the show pretty consistently while we've been in the field the last month. Thanks, Cole. He says, I've been shaking my head quite often, I'll add, but we don't have to agree on everything. He says, I was listening to your chat with Gary Mason yesterday from the Globe and Mail comparing Danielle Smith to Pierre Polyev, and I thought I'd chime in. Uh, I don't think that Danielle has the grassroots support that Gary suggested because I know many people that are wondering what the fuck she's talking about with some of her ideas. I used to actually be a huge fan of hers when both you and her were on radio, but since I was listening to your interview with her, since I've been paying attention to her campaign, I've become totally turned off. I think that we'll see Travis Taves or Brian Jean come out on top. In fact, I know people who purchase memberships specifically to vote against her and Brian Jean. I think that Danielle gets the airtime with her ideas, maybe because the media is just carving those ideas, but the legitimate support is not there. Cole says, I read a Calgary Herald article talking about these polls with a dead heat, Danielle falling out before a final ballot. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. He says, by the way, I'm a big fan of Pierre Poliev at the federal level, and I agree with Gary Mason that he's going to make Justin Trudeau squirm. Cole says, anyway, that's my two cents. I will continue to grudgingly listen to the show. And he says, I'm late to the Real Talk party. Cole, welcome aboard. I sent him a follow-up email yesterday. I said, where, where do you disagree with me most? What makes you shake your head? Mm-hmm. And I love following up with that stuff. I love when you're in touch with the show. A healthy disagreement and debate is the bedrock upon which this is built. And this one from Jer to wrap us up today. It's a long one, but a good one about student loans. He says, real talk fam. Back in 2000, I decided I'd explored enough jobs that I didn't like to warrant exploring university. It was kind of a way out kind of curiosity maybe the dream of being rewarded with a career and money above and beyond what i was used to now that movie swordfish was pretty recent so i thought i'd do that be a sexy computer programmer well that crashed and burned for a few different reasons uh, mainly i was shit at math and i had no idea how computers worked i can see how that would be a problem jer he says so i got my ass handed to me in english i always thought i had a natural affinity for that but but a silver lining out of it i fell in love with philosophy so i started to explore it and my arguments developed and my interests soared and i began to feel like this is where i belonged but toward the end of my second year my father's voice crept in what are you going to do with the philosophy degree why didn't you keep working construction it pays well there's always jobs available how are you going to pay off your student loans jer says so i visited the dean of philosophy and i laid those trepidations on his desk And he said, well, you could continue your education, pursue a master's or PhD or a professorship. Philosophy is a great springboard for law or med school or whatever you like. It's also valued at the corporate management level when paired with business. Well, I panicked because at that point I was about $25,000 deep into student loans. And so I bolted. And two years later, I graduated from SAIT Polytechnic in Calgary as a power engineer. And I left school with $50,000 in loans. And my friends were right. Power engineering is a technically challenging, financially rewarding career, and I was able to pay my loans off quicker than I imagined, but I regret so much. 
Jer says, I've spent years in internal turmoil wishing I would have continued my academic pursuits. My daughters, now in their 20s, have told me what a great professor I would have made after I've coached them through their degrees. I've taken deep solace in their willingness to engage me in their projects and essays and career pursuits. Our conversations around the dinner table are lively and deep, and we try to stay current on social, political, economic, and environmental issues. Now, I've run models repeatedly on how I could leave my fruitful power engineering career, but I've never been able to escape the mortgage and the car payments and the benefits and the schedule, right? The gravity is too great, especially with our own kids still completing school. So I got a lot of questions, many of them questions I can't answer, but I do know the prospect of huge student loans drove me to choose a career I derived very little personal or soulful satisfaction from now almost 18 years in, and so many people in my profession share the same feeling. Food for thought. Jer, I love it. It's not always about the money. Thanks for the reminder and for trash-talking yourself a tiny little bit. It's a good exercise presented by Local Environmental Services. You can send us your trash talk to talk at ryanjesperson.com. On Monday, we'll check back in with the titan of talk, Charles Adler, plus environmental reporter, journalist Ann Castleman, our guest. And through next week, we'll continue to cover the issues that matter to you, Real Talkers. Use the hashtag RealTalkRJ to let us know what you think about the show. Smash like. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for sharing. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Dubetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta, on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Metis settlements and the Metis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.